Welcome to Inside the Castle, the podcast that goes behind castle doors to have real conversations with real people about solving the nation's toughest challenges. I'm one of your hosts today, Aaron Schneider. And I'm Angie Fryermuth. In this episode, we're talking about the Beneficial Use of Dredge Material program with Tiffany Burrows and Jace Owsley. Thank you both for joining us here today. Thanks for having us. All right. Before we get into talking about the beneficial use of dredge material, could each of you tell us about yourself and your role with the Corps? Uh, Tiffany, let's start with you. Sure. So my name is Tiffany Burroughs. I am the Chief of Navigation here at Corps Headquarters. And really what that entails is uh, just being responsible for the channels and infrastructure that support movement of goods and pretty much recreation for our federally authorized marine transportation systems. I guess just to give folks a little bit of idea of what that um, entails, it would be all things locks, dredging, what we're talking about today, floating plant and a large portfolio of breakwaters and jetties, and really kind of interacting with the regulating agencies to make sure that we're able to um, operate and maintain these assets. And uh, I'm Jay Sousley. I'm the dredging program manager in navigation at headquarters. So I work for Tiffany and in the things that she just described, I work in the subset of the portfolio that deals directly with dredging. So we do lots of dredging contracts, both uh, O&M and construction for different ports and harbors and deepenings. And we also work a lot with our flood risk management portfolio, the FRM group to do beach and coastal restoration work. And also we partner with the aquatic ecosystem restoration folks in doing marsh building for them too. So dredging while it's focused in navigation sort of bleeds across different missions within the civil works program. Well, thank you both for being with us today. We are excited to get into the topic. And so for our listeners who may not know what beneficial use of dredge material is, can someone tell us about what it is and why it's important? Uh, just to put it simply, I'll, I'll give you the simple definition first. It's really, it's the use or placement of dredge material that helps people or nature. So really putting it simply is, you know, beneficial use. So using the material in a way that benefits people um, or animals or nature. Our official definition is productive and positive uses of dredge material that cover really a broad use of categories from things like fish and wildlife habitat development to human recreation and other other industrial commercial uses. So it's a broad range, but pretty much to put it simply is if the placement benefits people or nature, then we can consider it beneficial use. And I think in times past, we were kind of conservative in how we were calculating or defining that. And so what we're really trying to do now is help people get a broader understanding of what we mean when we say uh, beneficial use. Thanks. It kind of makes me wonder actually like going to step back for our listeners i guess you know unless you've worked for the corps of engineers in the navigation area you might not have any idea what dredging is or what it does so i guess jace could you tell us actually for our listeners you know what is dredging and you know, what does that mean for the corps absolutely so all of the federal waterways that we talked about earlier are basically channels, they're marine highways, and in those channels we get sediment and debris that'll come from upland in the vicinity and they will shoal into the channel. So we use heavy machinery, either buckets or hydraulic dredges, uh, sometimes hoppers or pipelines, to physically remove those sediments from the navigation channel and then we place them somewhere. So that means we place them offshore in an offshore dredge material disposal site or we put them into an upland placement site 
or we can do things beneficially with those materials like building marshes or uh, creating port infrastructure or parks or all of these other sort of secondary benefits that we're, we're talking about with the beneficial use of that material. Thanks, that's super helpful. So, you know, pulling the material out of the water body and then you've got to do something with that material. Um, so General Smellman uh, mentioned, I think a goal of 70% use of beneficial dredge material. So taking that material, putting it to beneficial use 70% of the time by 2030. Could you tell our listeners a little bit more about this goal and why it's important for the Corps? Uh, sure, so you, you mentioned the goal essentially being able to beneficially reuse 70% of the material that we dredged by 2030. What we did was we took a look at, I think this was around 2021 or 2022, we took a look at how much material we were currently beneficially reusing. And it was about 30 to 40% at the time um, and General Spellman said, hey, I, I'd like to, to flip that um, into beneficially reusing, you know, 70% of it instead of 30 to 40%, and to do that by 2030. It's a very short term. 2030 will be here before we know it, but we think it's an important goal just for a number of reasons. One being, you know, we're just trying to be good stewards of the resources we have on hand, you know, as a part of being kind of environmentally conscientious, right? And then you have some of the other you know, important parts of it, which is one, being able to try to combat sea level rise uh, to the extent we can. I think one of our really example projects um, or a successful illustration of that is what we're doing at um, our Mississippi Baton Rouge, the Gulf Project. We're doing a lot of beneficial use there in an area or part of Louisiana where we know, you know, we're struggling with sea level rise and erosion and inundation. So that's one of the reasons that we want to beneficially reuse is, hey, can we use this material uh, to try to address the things that we're seeing with sea level rise and climate change. And then another reason is, you know, we have limited placement capacity. As we do more deepenings, you know, we'll have more of an O&M um, responsibility, and that's more dredge material that we'll have to, to place somewhere. So we have to think strategically and long-term about, hey, you know, once our uplift facilities run out of capacity or our current facilities that we're using run out of capacity, what's next? So I think it's a better way of planning and managing our material is looking long-term, hey, how can we incorporate more beneficial use so we're, you know, putting less pressure on our current facilities that we have now um, and still get some type of benefit out of it. And as we see things like, you know, tipping fees and transportation costs increase at some of our projects, this helps us too, right? Because there are some opportunities where sometimes it may create or require a lot more coordination on the front end, or it might take longer for us to do a project, but there could be opportunities for us to place on a beach that's closer than our current, you know, placement facility that we've been using that maybe is an opportunity we might not have never considered, or maybe a stakeholder hasn't come forward to offer that option. So we're just trying to do more coordination on the front end to find out what other opportunities do we have to beneficially reuse that we haven't considered or, you know, haven't even been tracking um, and they could help release some of that limited placement um, capacity that we have right now. You know, there's a number of different efforts that we have going on. One, the first thing is that we're trying to, we're in the midst of hiring a beneficial use program manager that'll work in operations and that person will really help us integrate across the business lines. Um, as Jace mentioned earlier, you know, we work with flood risk management, we're working with aquatic ecosystem restoration, um, so there's a number of different business plans that kind of 
have a role in beneficially reusing the material. So this PM will help us kind of integrate across the business lines, uh, coordinate with stakeholders, you know, assist the districts and MSCs with some of their things that they're trying to do at the lower level, and then address kind of some of the hurdles and challenges that we have already seen um, that are kind of preventing us from beneficially reusing. This person will be able to help us do that. And some of the programs that I think will continue to leverage to increase beneficial use would be engineering with nature, regional sediment management, and then we have several uh, word of sections or authorities that are definitely going to be helpful, section 1122, 125, and 204. Uh, this is great to hear. It's always good uh, to hear that we're working to better our process and then also working to help the environment at the same time. So you mentioned uh, nature-based solutions, particularly engineering with nature. So can you talk a little bit more about how you've seen nature-based solutions connecting to beneficial use of dredge material? So to maintain our waterways, the Corps of Engineers, we remove about 270 million cubic yards of dredged sediment every year. So that's enough material just to sort of frame that. That's enough material to fill up the Washington Monument, which is D.C.'s largest structure, 750 times every year. So that's a that's a lot of dirt. That's to be able to build marshes and beaches and other coastal features that improve coastal resilience and that have the added benefit of enhancing the environment, which is where nature-based solutions sit soundly. Uh, basically, beneficial use of dredge material and nature-based solutions overlap uh, where beneficial use provides that sediment. So they deviate where we use dredge material for other beneficial purposes like renourishing agricultural fields or capping landfills, building upland features like airport runways or fast land for things like road bedding. So fundamentally, uh, leveraging the dredge material creates lower cost opportunities to implement nature-based solutions. Even though they are separate, they really work in a lot of that same space. So they're a win-win when they work together. I heard you mention a, a number of different things there that seem to impact different partners. So it sounds like the core probably has a lot of material and then um, maybe the partners or beneficiaries that are able to utilize this material beyond just the core. Could you talk a little bit about the partnerships and the value of how these partners are helping us achieve our goals for the beneficial use program? Yeah, uh, so Partnerships are, are essential to our success when it comes to increasing and sustaining beneficial use in the core program. You know, we look around uh, the environment. We see, you know, Tiffany mentioned uh, the work we're doing in New Orleans and the Mississippi River with beneficial use there. NOAA data indicates that sea level is eight inches higher in Lake Pontchartrain in New Orleans since in the last 15 years since Katrina. You know, we see intensity of severe weather storms in the central states and wildfires and drought and, and then go straight to flooding in California. We observe changes in like wildlife moving around and then damages to Hurricane Ida in southwest Florida this last year. That's where I'm from. So I'm, you know, watching my my childhood uh, favorite places just get wiped off. So it can safely be said that the next 10 years for us and seven of those are to the chief's goal of 7030. The next 10 years are a pretty decisive decade. Uh, beyond the fact that the word of guidance from 2020, Section 125 that Tiffany mentioned earlier, tells us that we're required to do annual engagements with our stakeholders. Engagements with our partners are critical to help the districts capture the benefits that the folks who are receiving those benefits uh, when they're doing a comprehensive analysis. So that's in alignment with the administration's Environmental Justice 40 initiative. And um, they can use those things when they, re when they reassess federal standard plans. 
We need our partners to assist us with innovative tools and technology to help us find solutions to control costs. We need them to uh, have all of the necessary project things like permits and plans ready to go when the need, helping us work through that. In our Philly district, we work with the local sponsor in state and federal environmental dynamic marsh placements. In California, we set up a rotation to store alternative one year, but then beneficially the next year where those net costs and benefits balance so that the BU project is economically feasible. And those examples would not be successful without partnering. So I think that the core's engagement with our partners around beneficial use has to focus on developing lasting relationships that extend beyond that project level to that regional and to that system level so that we don't miss opportunities. So we're all going to have to work together to make sure that we can address the climate and environmental challenges that we have moving forward. So this is not an easy goal by any means, right? You mentioned working with partners, mentioned working across civil works uh, functional areas. So what are some of the challenges specifically that you have been working to overcome as you, you know, continue to drive forward in reaching this goal? Sure, I'll take that one. We have identified some hurdles. We've been having conversations about beneficial use for, you know, some years now. But I will say that what we did was try to identify how those hurdles can be turned into opportunities. So, like, what, you know, what things are hindering us and how can we achieve them by identifying opportunities that we can kind of tackle now. So, I would say we recently completed a document, you know, that kind of outlined some of those hurdles and opportunities. And so really they kind of fell into four categories of communication, policy, risk, and technology. You know, to just kind of go a little further into each one, um, when we're talking about communication, it's really doing a good job of successfully communicating our lessons learned and successes to stakeholders and industry and regulating agencies. Just so they, you know, they can tell the story, they can share the story as well. They can understand, you know, what we're doing. They can understand the chief's goal of why, like we're talking about today, you know, why do we want to increase beneficial use? What positive impact does it have on the environment? Uh, so I think, you know, having strategic talking points and a communication strategy for that is very critical. And then when we're talking about policy, like um, I think myself and Jake mentioned earlier, you know, we know that there are some gaps when it comes to, you know, policy. And so we're trying to address that now and going to have the BUPM. That's going to be one of their top priorities as well as taking a look at, you know, some of our policies. How can we provide more clarity? Um, how can we move any, you know, conflicting policies to enable more widespread BU? And then when it comes to risk, it's really doing a better job of identifying them up front and articulating them to the PDT and stakeholders. Because I think in times past, maybe we've been overly optimistic and maybe not counted the cost of how much beneficial use might impact the schedule or risk to possibly impacting the schedule. Um, because we know there is some usually additional coordination involved. And so we kind of realize that. So it's really at the beginning saying, hey, is there some additional risk that might be involved with us beneficially reusing versus going upland or versus ocean placement, identifying that risk, articulating it, counting the cost for that in our project schedule. So everybody knows going in on the front end, you know, hey, this is what could possibly happen. And these are some of the mitigating actions that we're taking to address that. And then the last one would be technology. We continue to leverage, you know, R&D to identify more tools and areas in which we can 
improve in the technology arena. And then we're also doing a lot of coordination with industry because they have some great ideas as well. We don't really, you know, we realize we don't have all the great ideas. We work with some pretty smart people in the core, but there are some other, you know, ideas that tech, that industry or some of our stakeholders might have. And so just really, again, it comes back to communication and being able to articulate what we're doing, why we're doing it, being open to some of that feedback from external stakeholders and industry to be able to get over some of those challenges and some of those hurdles. Thanks. That's really exciting and, and interesting. I'm kind of curious about like, what does success look like for the program on the landscape? Like if you are successful with achieving the 70% beneficial use, what does this mean for the country? Does it mean more wetlands? Does it mean uh, what, what will these products do and what could the public expect to see? I, I mean, I would consider success simply in, increasing beneficial use. I think we're, we're going to be looking at some iterative successful steps between now and 2030. So I think being able to determine what those look like first and then trying to hit some of those targets before we get to 2030. Um, but I think we're headed in the right direction now, even as I take some external engagements and I'm some, me or folks from my team are interfacing with some of our stakeholders and we hear them saying some of the same things and understanding our priorities and really advocating for us. That tells me that we're headed in the right direction. So I think we're well on our way to, to success, but I, I definitely think, you know, like we said earlier, trying to be able to use the dredge material as a resource, making sure people are integrating that in their thought process when they're planning for their dredge uh, projects, making sure they're considering that, um, and then beneficially reusing as much as, you know, as much as we can, if that means 70% or more, I think that would be a success. So related to success from the dredging program, like Tiffany mentioned, I think that that 70% by 2030 is, is the short-term goal. We're going to roll up our sleeves and work real hard. Seven years is not that far away in core world. We're already working on fiscal year 25 budgets uh, to give you some perspective about how our project cycles work through. But for those of you who who have listened to other podcasts, you're probably familiar with Dr. Todd Bridges. He's, he's, uh, he was the lead of the Engineering with Nature and Nature-Based Solutions working units at the Environmental Lab, in our Engineering Research and Development Center. And he said that the 70-30 goal was the largest commitment to sustainability that the Corps has made in the last 30 years. And I think that that's really what it's about. A goal for us is reaching a, a, a place with our dredging program where we are using all of the material that we're removing to benefit either people or the environment. And we're not just placing that material out somewhere as a waste product because we, we do have limited resources. We know that from our flood risk management program where we're trying to go out and mine sediment offshore that we can't afford to throw material away effectively. So uh, it should be a fundamental part of our mission. So for, for us, I think success seven short years from now is 70%, but then thinking about long-term sustainability in the core, it really is getting to 100 and, and staying, I mean, I, I'm not going to get us in trouble because 100% maybe not actually practical in all places. But but th I think really what it's about is we all live here. And when we look around, we want to have an, a natural, healthy, robust environment to live in that is resilient from storms and is safe and is full of diverse plants and animals. And so I think that the vision that is being conveyed with the goal that the chief set is, is for us to get there. So success looks like 
uh, an environmentally sound and sustainable dredging program without wasting material. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great. I think that you know, this is something that we can all look forward to, and we wish you a lot of success on getting to the, the 70 30 goal and even approaching uh, 100% where it makes sense. So, thank you, Tiffany and Jace, for joining us today for this edition of Inside the Castle. We appreciate you and your insights. To our listeners, we want to hear from you what topics are important to you and people are interested in hearing from. Until next time, be safe, be innovative, and be revolutionary. Thanks for joining us for this Inside the Castle podcast. To provide your feedback, email us at cw.infrastructure.team at usace.army.mil. Stay tuned for additional Inside the Castle podcasts as we explore life inside the core and revolutionize civil works together.